Hello, welcome to Interdependent Study, our podcast where we engage in the learning and unlearning work for social justice and collective liberation. I'm Damien. And I'm Aaron. Thank you so much for joining us today. For those new to our podcast, Interdependent Study is meant to be a space and community for folks who believe in and want to do the work of social justice. Each week, we'll bring something new to the table and discuss our thoughts and feelings about it through the lenses of who we are and where we can go for a more just society. We want Interdependent Study to be a space where we're always learning with one another. And Aaron is up this week. What have you brought to the table today, my friend? All right. I have brought an article called White Supremacy Culture. Um, I mentioned it last week. It is a collection of unspoken values of white supremacy culture. Uh, And these aren't like the rules that the Klan follows, right? These are values around which our culture in the United States is shaped. Um, So as I I read it for the first time a few years ago, I felt like it really gave me language for some of the stuff I knew already existed uh, around us in the U.S. Um, It's written by Tima Okun, and she also cites some people who inspired her, including uh, Kenneth Jones, who was her co-facilitator, co-teacher for many years in some anti-racist work. Um, So this is an expanded version of the original article. So there's a few updates included. If if you read the original one a while back, it circulated a lot. But I wanted to just kind of list out the characteristics in the article, um, just kind of like to set the scene. Yeah. So um, fear, perfectionism, one right way, paternalism, objectivity, qualified, either or, progress is bigger or more stuff, right? Quantity over quality, worship of the written word, individualism, I'm the only one defensiveness, denial, right to comfort, fear of open conflict, power hoarding, and urgency. Woo! Yes. Mm-hmm. This is a lot. It's a long list. There's a lot going on in them. There's a lot of depth to each of them. Yes. Um, so I know we're not going to get to all of them, but I, I wanted to kind of like just list them out to get them out there um, and maybe encourage some people to check out the, the full article, which is available online. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I don't think we're going to get to all of them at all. No. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm really glad that you brought this article to the table because I think it is an incredible resource and, and guide for sort of all of us to critically examine and, and understand what white supremacy and white supremacy culture are. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think this piece helps us to do that in a few ways. Right. Like it does it from an intellectual perspective, certainly, right? Yeah. Um, but it also pays some attention to the emotional lenses and and pieces that are involved in in recognizing and dismantling white supremacy, or at least working to do that. And I think it also helps us to do it from a practical perspective as well, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and I think that's huge. And what makes this piece, uh, as I said, like this important and helpful resource for us. And so I wanted to name that. Yes. I would also say that one of the things I appreciated most about this piece was that practical application of defining the various characteristics and, and elements, if you will, mm-hmm. of, of white supremacy and white supremacy culture, all the things that you just named. Um, because if we are going to dismantle it, then we have to recognize how it manifests itself yep. and how it shows up. Uh, to be able to use the the antidotes that she writes about that are sort of laid out in the piece, there's antidotes to uh, each of those characteristics. And so I thought that was great. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, Aaron, I'm, I, I was thinking, you know, do you want to talk a little bit about how she sort of broadly defines white supremacy and white supremacy culture in this piece to sort of lay that foundation? Yeah, I did. I wanted to, to get back to that a little bit to kind of set the stage yeah. um, for the rest of the conversation. Perfect. Um, so in one of the earliest, early-ish sections uh, in the article, she lays out what she means by white supremacy and she defines it in this way. Um, and so this is rather lengthy and there's some bullet points involved, but <laughs> here we go. The term white supremacy refers to the ways in which the ruling class elite or the power elite in the colonies of what was to become the United States used pseudoscientific concept of race to create whiteness and a hierarchy of racialized value in order to disconnect and divide white people from black, indigenous, and people of color, disconnect and divide black, white, and black, indigenous, and people of color from each other, disconnect and divide white people from other white people, disconnect and divide each and all of us from the earth, the sun, the wind, the water, the stars, the animals that roam the earth, disconnect and divide each of us from ourselves and from source, which she talks a little bit more below, We're not necessarily going to get into that. Um, and then goes on to say the power elite constructed white supremacy and continue to construct it to define who is fully human and who is not. Mm. And so I think that definition is helpful because it describes the system and the kind of how it was developed yep. and what it does to us. Yes. Um, in sort of the foundational way, right? There's a lot that has grown out from that, right? Um, that are, are maybe different. And I think we're going to get to some of that in the characteristics, and and she gets to a lot of that in the characteristics. Um, but it, it it lays the foundation for the concept, so that people can I think get a grasp of of what we're talking about here, right? Here, right. Um, and then specifically, she defines white supremacy culture as the widespread ideology baked into the beliefs, values, norms, and standards of our groups, our communities, our towns, our states, our nation, teaching us both overtly and covertly that whiteness holds value, that whiteness is value. Mm. And so those are the kind of ways that she sets up what white supremacy means as kind of defining it as a system, and then what the culture means um, in upholding that and continuing that system. Absolutely. Well, yeah. that, thank you for, for laying all of that out. And like you said, I think it sets a good stage and it's, they're great definitions, right? And I mm -hmm. think it, particularly when we think about white supremacy, I think certainly, as you said, more has come of that, out of that, right? And our thinking right. around white supremacy. But I think at, at its core, that really sort of highlights what it is and sort of what it does to all of us, right? Like yeah. I love the pieces about around what it does to disconnect and divide all of us from the earth, right? And sort of our resources and disconnect and divide each of us from our own selves too, right? Like it, it speaks to this idea that white supremacy is everywhere, right? And it, mm -hmm. it affects all of us. And so, yeah, so thank you for that. I think for me related to all of that was how she talked about white supremacy being a project of colonization. Um, yes. <laughs> which... Yeah is this idea that like white supremacy colonizes everything, right? Like our minds, our hearts, our bodies, our psyches, our emotions, and of course, like the environment, like the environments in which we live, uh, which is true. Yeah. Um, and I think that's part of the reason why it's such a ubiquitous and powerful force and and a, and a barrier to, to social justice. Um, one of the things 
she said in the piece about white supremacy that sort of, sort of brings it all home for me is, and I'm quoting her here, white supremacy tells us who we are, right? And who has value and who doesn't, right? Like as you said, right? And and it and in uh, what doesn't in ways that reinforce a racial hierarchy of power um, and control that diseases and destroys all it touches, right? And so mm-hmm. I think that justifies and, and sort of reinforces why we have to talk about white supremacy, like why we must call it out when we see it. Um, and, and certainly why we have to work to dismantle it in all of its forms. Yes. Yeah, I think about to when you talk about the ways that we are disconnected from the earth and from resources and stuff, right? Like I think about how um, and she talks about this a little bit when she talks about the connection between white supremacy and like class, mm. um, but the way that white supremacy is tied up also into our economic system and how we've yes. organized around capital, right? And we've commodified the natural resources that were around us and claimed ownership over things and um, those kinds. So white supremacy has worked in concert with those other systems as well. Um, And so there's a section too where she talks about intersectionality and quotes Kimberly Crenshaw, we talked about here, um, talking about the concept before as well. But um, yeah, I think the, that piece about colonization too was such a great way to put it in my opinion. And she lays out that, like you said, our hearts and minds have been colonized. Yes. And so, um, it's such a, I think, key concept in understanding why the kind of work of unpacking and understanding this is important because we have to undo some of that colonization in ourselves um, as part of a, a larger process or a larger project um, in, as you say, dismantling it. Right. Yeah. Well, and there's a connection there to sort of what we talked about last week. And I think you brought it up as homework, right? This piece mm-hmm. about uh, op- having open mind and open hearts to this work, right? Yeah. Um, and so how white supremacy has permeated sort of our hearts and our minds, right? And we have to actively work um, to to dismantle it, right? And to sort of um, figure out how we move beyond it, right? And yeah. past it um, and rise above it, if you will. Um, and so I, I, that just, you saying that right there and that made me think about sort of us just our conversation last week about the Between the World and Me documentary as well. Yeah. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Let's talk about a couple of the characteristics. Okay. Um, so I'm going to talk about fear of open conflict, um, which is one of the one of the many characteristics the many. I read <laughs> earlier. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna just read a couple of the quote of the the pieces of the characteristic. I yeah. guess. Um, so here they are. People in power are scared of expressed conflict and try to ignore it or run from it. Mm. When someone raises an issue that causes discomfort, the response is to blame the person for raising the issue rather than to look at the issue, which is actually causing the problem. And then emphasis or insistence on being polite, setting the rules for how ideas or information or differences of opinion need to be shared in order to be heard. In other words, requiring that people calm down if they're angry when anger often contains deep wisdom about where the underlying hurt and harm lies. And so these are just the first three like bullet points in the list. Yeah. Um, And there's so much more just in fear of open conflict. Um, But I think those first three really point out the ways that we talk about people who point out problems. Yes. Right. Uh, And there are so many idioms about those folks, right? Like people who rock the boat or, oh, that's the squeaky wheel. Mm. Um, Just to name two. 
and I think these are the kinds of things, these unspoken values around of conflict avoidance and not wanting to deal with issues. And in, a, in some way, I think conflict avoidance also leads to us just sweeping stuff under the rug. Yes. Right? Yes. Um, and then eventually you have a, a pile of trash underneath a rug that is just a rug mountain of trash. Um, <laughs> but I think these are the things that make people want to leave places. Yes. Right? Like not just this, but they compound and they interact. And then um, all of a sudden these people who are trying to make your workplace better because they invested a little bit of care and energy and love into that place and notice how it came up short. Yeah. Now we're going to send them on their way because they are naming those things and trying to help it be better. Um, and I think that that's, I think that that's one of the major issues we have in workplaces is how also, I think another example, of this is how expendable we become like yeah. you cause a conflict and then it's okay. We'll send you on your way because you're not, um, happy here. Yeah. Well, and, and, and that piece is key, right? Like we'll send you on your way. Oftentimes folks get burnt out by that. Right. Yeah. And so you also have to figure out and make a conscious decision for yourself that this place no longer serves me. This place is not, uh, attuned with my values. Right. Yeah. And yeah. is invested in the work that I'm trying to do here to help, uh, it be better as you say. Um, and so you have to make that decision in, in sort of part ways. Um, so yeah, that is a, that's a powerful characteristic uh, yeah. uh, of of white supremacy culture, um, and I love the example there. Um, uh, so many of these stood out to me, and and for lots of different reasons. Um, in the sort of vein of perfectionism, there was uh, one called "One Right Way," mm-hmm. um, and that shows up as the belief that there is one right way to do things. And once people are introduced to the right way, they will see the light and adopt it. And the second is. Uh, one right way shows up as when a person or group does not adapt or change to fit the one right way, Mm -hmm. then those defining or upholding the one right way assume something is wrong with the other, those not changing, not with us. And I think so closely related to that is paternalism, um, which shows up as those holding power, control, decision-making, and define things, the standards, the perfection, the one right way, right? And so you can see how closely those are sort of related to one another the other one the other characteristic that sort of pops out as also being related to that is this this thinking around either or right and the binary mm-hmm. right because she says that that shows up as it as closely linked to perfectionism uh, because binary thinking makes it difficult to learn from mistakes and accommodate conflict right yeah. and so yeah I, I i mean all of this stood out to me but i think there's a lot of application of all of that to our workplaces, right? Like we have um, so many folks who embrace sort of this uh, white supremacist mindset, like can't get out of their own way and can't see another way, right? There is one right way to do things and it's hard for them to be challenged um, in that regard. Um, And certainly it's hard to be challenged if you're talking about uh, some of the work that needs to happen to change an organization. One of the other, and, and, and another piece of this that I think is important is this sort of there, she makes some connection to uh, perfectionism and how there's no relationship between perfectionism and excellence, mm-hmm. right? And so I think that's a key component of this, right? Yeah. We can be excellent in our work and in our workplaces, but we 
as she puts it, the question has to be asked, according to who in terms of perfectionism? Who decides what perfect is? Yeah. Right? And sort of that white supremacist mindset tells you that there is someone who gets to decide that. And that is just simply not the case. And so that one really resonated to me, both from a from the perspective of thinking about some of the the workplace scenarios I've been a part of, but I think it also plays out it. And and she does this to some degree with some of these, but but n- not as much as I would have hoped. Or um, I think there's room for to expand this to really be thinking about our interpersonal relationships with one another, yeah. right? And so there's a lot of this that I think connects to, and we could think about, you know, how does this apply in our in our actual um, interactions with one another, right? And so how are you sort of in your friendships and in your intimate relationships, right? Like upholding some of these characteristics, right? There's one right way to do things. And if you're not doing it that way, right, I'm going to let you know that, right? Um, I think, and I've, I've had those experiences too. So I wanted to highlight those as just some incredible characteristics that stood out to me. Yeah. I mean, I think that, as you said, like so much of this stands out and I think as you read, as I read through them, um, which I've done a, a couple times now, something new always jumps out mm. that I'm, I can think of an example of how I've seen that play out or or maybe how it plays out in me and, and different stuff. So there's just so much depth yes, and um, like, yeah, illustration of, yes. of the things oh, that are going on behind behind the unspoken values that we talk about, right? Absolutely. And the characteristics. So. Absolutely. And yeah, yeah. yeah, it's it's a it's a pretty exhaustive list. I mean, you all heard Aaron name all the yeah. many characteristics that there are. And so I think this is this is really a great resource for folks to check out if you want to think about um, white supremacy and white supremacy culture. Um, so I want to shift us a bit mm-hmm. because there was a piece of this article that gave me some hope, uh, you know, and so I want to mention that, right? Because I think there's a lot of work that you can do uh, with this uh, article, but it could feel heavy, right? Yeah. And it is heavy and it Mm -hmm. should be heavy. Um, But right before she sort of launched into talking about these characteristics, um, she talked a little bit about the fact that white supremacy culture comes after all of us. And she also named the fact that like refusing to comply with the idea of doing the work to dismantle white supremacy and white supremacy culture is simply not an option. And so she says this, which I'm going to quote her. She says, the good news is that that while white supremacy culture informs us, it does not define us. It is a construct and anything constructed can be deconstructed and replaced. We are not victims. Our history is both witness to and record of how many of us refuse and refused to cooperate, how many of us are brave and bold enough to vision a future we often do not live to see. Yeah. And so, I I mean, I don't think it's difficult to see why that might have given me a little bit of hope, right? You know, I think that quote truly speaks to the importance and the value and the possibilities of this work. Um, And I think it also speaks to all of that from a local level, right? In terms of us as individuals and the work that we need to do around this, Mm. but also in terms of our institutions and our systems and our laws and our workplaces and, and certainly our society as a whole. Yeah. I really appreciated that section of the article as well. Um, I think it opens up with this piece on how we're all swimming in the waters yes. of white supremacy culture, yes. um, which is something I've said in in different ways, maybe here uh, yeah. a few 
a few times. Um, so yeah, I also love that because it sort of names how we can all find a space or method or process in which we can refuse to comply with white supremacy culture. Yes. Right? We oh, can find and fight against what that is. Um, and cause there is a history as you kind of pointed out, right? There's a history, much of it's buried, mm. but there's a rich history of people refusing to comply with white supremacy culture yes. um, and fighting against it. And there are people refusing to comply, you know, around us today. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's in all of us to find ways to work to dismantle it yes. and work against it. And compel folks to do that work alongside yeah. us. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's shift and talk a little bit about application work. All right. Um, the whole piece, as I think I've said <laughs> in different ways yes. a few times now, pulls back the curtain on how our country and the power structures have organized themselves. Absolutely. Um, so I think my application suggestion for this work is really to take a look at the characteristics and try to think about when we as individuals embody them. Yeah. Um, or try to notice when your organization or workplace or school or place of worship is reinforcing them or, or embodying them in some way. Try to find those moments and find ways to challenge them, right? Yes. So we mentioned that um, the article has antidotes, and that's also one of my favorite parts of this article. Um, so Timo Kuhn lays out ways that we can work against or counteract those characteristics, which I think are their cultural shifts. Yes. Oh, the way that she she talks about them and writes them out, but usually they're in these like attainable kind of bite-sized chunks that even individuals can implement even if you don't think you have much in terms of like power and whatever that organization yeah. is there's there's stuff for whatever your um you know circle might be yeah um that you can implement in your circle um and do on an individual level whether that's at home or with your friend group or um you know with with whoever you might work alongside yeah um there's a lot of opportunity i think as i said before to find space in this piece to apply it to your own life and figure out how you can you know join the the ranks of history who stood up to white supremacy culture oh i like that yeah yeah i agree i think some of the not some of the the antidotes were some of my favorite parts of of this article as well Mm -hmm. and 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 you're right some of them do feel big right um and so it's important as you sort of engage in this work i think to think about what are ways that i can do this work and what's the one small thing that i can do that speaks to this antidote um right and so that's going to take some thought and some effort right to to figure out in some ways um but it is doable so Mm -hmm. i i agree with that i think there's so much from this piece that is just direct application work, um, which I think, again, makes it such an incredible resource around, again, naming and, and helping to dismantle all of this. Um, you know, you mentioned that great quote, we are all swimming in the waters of white supremacy. Yeah. And, you know, I think that's application work that I've been thinking about um, is a recognition of the fact that we are all swimming in the waters of white supremacy culture. And so the application that I've been thinking about is, you know, how these characteristics of white supremacy culture show up for BIPOC folks, right? So like, for example, individualism was named as one of the characteristics and Timo Okun outlined a few of the ways that individualism showed up 
shows up for BIPOC folks, like how BIPOC folks are sometimes blamed and shamed for acting to solve problems without checking in and asking for permission with white people as just one example. And so I think there's some great application work in here for folks who look like me, right? Like how do some of these characteristics of white supremacy culture show up for us? Yeah. You know, what does that mean for us and our well-being and some of our complicity in some of this, right? How does that impact our ability to navigate the world and this work, you know? And, and I think what does that mean in terms of working to disassociate from and dismantle white supremacy? So I think there's some good like interrogation and, and examination and application work and all of this for for uh, black, indigenous and people of color, for sure. Yeah, I think those are some some great questions and application work here. I think that um, one of the things one of the other things I appreciated about early on when she's talking about this kind of that we're all swimming yeah. in the waters of white supremacy culture is that she she does delineate in how we're impacted by those yes. by this thing. Right. Um, and that some of us are called to join up and reinforce it. And some of us are the targets of, yes. of the culture. Um, and I think that, you know, that's a very small, very, um, maybe truncated paraphrasing of how yep. she puts it. Um, but that is an important piece of this too, is, is the different ways that we are impacted. Although her argument is that we are all actually negatively impacted. Yes. Right. And so that the benefits that the so-called benefits that white people receive from white supremacy culture are actually, um, sort of double-edged swords maybe, yes. or, you know, that's not what she says, but they're also harming. Right. Um, without a doubt. Yeah. All right, I think my homework here is some self-reflection um, about how these things show up for me personally, but also, you know, in in places that I might be, um, workplace um, organizations I might be in, whether I'm in a leadership position in those things or not, right? I think there yeah. are ways that I see these things play out on a daily basis um, around me and also ways that I reinforce them. Um, you know, whether that's just to name a couple, one right way or individualism or perfectionism, those different things. I think, um, I feel like the way that we're trained to be good mm. workers, good professionals, um, in a lot of ways are around those kinds of things of like, there's this one really good way to do things and we should do it. Follow the best practices. Absolutely. Um, or like, you know, being a, a rugged individual who's figuring out how to manage all these things by themselves or, um, making everything perfect, um, right? And so those things really, uh, I think, are ingrained in us in a young age yes. um, as we strive to be um, a great professional or, or whatever. Absolutely. So. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, I, we've said this before, like this piece in and of itself is homework, mm -hmm. right? Yes. Right? There's so many ways in which this could be used in in various ways as homework for all of us and so you know the one thought i have is to echo what you talked about in application is in application and is that everyone should read this and yep. and engage in this work for yourself right and to think about the ways that the characteristics of white supremacy culture are described and and reflect on what that means for you um so that's one piece. I think another way to do this homework is to do it with a group of comrades, right? Yeah. I think lots of folks are engaged in self-reflective anti-racism work with their friend groups, you know, in and with organizations, at their workplaces. And, and so what are the ways in which you could use this tool in those spaces, you know, if that's something you are already doing? Mm -hmm. So that's another piece. I think then beyond that, 
is the idea of going to the website that's linked in this article at the very beginning of it. And so it's white supremacy culture.info and looking through and using some of the great resources that are there to, to complement what you can do with this piece. Yeah. Um, and I think there are also a lot of great resources linked in the actual article itself that, you know, can, you can explore and do some more work with as well. So those are just a few of the ideas for homework I have. Yeah. Yeah. This is a great resource. I think, as you said, to explore in groups Yeah. Um, and sort of take in the, the wisdom of the article um, and the sort of wisdom of the characteristics and how white supremacy culture plays out yeah. and the shared wisdom of, of the group and how the right. group has experienced it. Um, and yeah, there's a, as you said, a ton of resources available on the website and, and embedded in the article um, as well as links. So um Lots of stuff Lots to check out and homework. build on um, here, too. All right, Damien, you are up next week. What are you bringing to the table in our next episode? I am. All right, folks. So I'm br- bringing huh, an article to the table for our next episode. The article itself is called Police Have Been Spying on Black Reporters and Activists for Years. I know because I'm one of them. And it is by a journalist named Wendy C. Thomas, my goodness. Uh, And it was published in June of 2020, and it's on the Neiman Lab website if you want to check it out with us. Um, I also want to mention that in addition to being a journalist, uh, alongside being a journalist, I should say, Wendy Thomas is also the founder of MLK 50 Justice Through Journalism which is a nonprofit digital newsroom that reports on economic justice issues in Memphis, which I just thought was pretty cool. So um, you can check them out if you're interested at MLK50.com. Not a sponsor, but but this article that we're going to read is all about Wendy's experiences after discovering that the Memphis Police Department was spying on her and three other journalists. Hmm. And sort of the timeline of events surrounding that discovery, um, some of the history of police and government surveillance, which we've talked about a little bit here on the show before. Yeah. Um, and what Wendy has taken away from that experience. So uh, I think it's going to be a pretty riveting piece. So I'm, I'm looking forward to reading it and talking about it next week. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to that uh, as well. That was one of my pieces of homework, I think, a couple weeks ago. Love it. So great. Um, all right. Well, we want to thank you for joining us today and for listening to Interdependent Study you know what I'm going to ask you to do here, but in case you forgot, please follow, leave a rating and review, share our podcast with the people in your life, follow us on social media, sign up for our email list to get notified about any new things we have going on behind the scenes. Yes. And thank you again for listening. And remember, it's not about us, but it is about us. We'll talk to you next week. 